Today I want to start my message by talking about a butterfly. It's a fly guy. Butterfly. The butterfly is called a, it's, it's a type of butterfly. It's called a monarch butterfly. So this butterfly, the monarch butterfly, have you, how many of you have heard of a monarch butterfly? Right, good. So you know my story then. Uh, just clap along uh, at the punchline, okay? For the rest of you, praise the Lord. Um, so this butterfly, um, scientists have discovered that it originates from Mexico. Uh, uh, only Mexican-Canadian is not in the room to say woohoo, because uh, she's in kids' church right now. But so this butterfly originates from Mexico, and scientists have always wondered why this butterfly seems to migrate uh, from Mexico. Uh, it goes, it, the first generation of this butterfly goes from uh, Mexico, which is in South America, to the southern states of the U.S., Okay, it, and what it does is it, it stops over there, this generation, it reproduces, and the first generation lives there. Okay, are you tracking with me? Yeah. So the second generation that is born in the southern states of, of the U.S. now make it start migrating from there, and it moves to the central part of the U.S., Somewhere near the Ohio River, it, it, they kind of land there, and they reproduce over there. Okay, so now the second generation lives in, that, in the central part of America. Now the third generation take off from there and they migrate all the way to Canada. It's a butterfly. No planes, no phones, no air tickets, no visa restrictions, absolutely nothing. No border control. They just fly. It's a butterfly. Fragile little thing. It's flying across countries. Phenomenal. So now this fourth generation is in Canada and it rests in, lands in Canada and they reproduce in Canada. And now the fifth generation, and this is the beauty about this butterfly, the fifth generation starts migrating all the way, that, only that single generation migrates all the way down to the same mountains of Mexico. It doesn't stop anywhere, it just flies all the way back to Mexico from where their great-grandparents had started the cycle and they rest there and they restart the cycle all over again and they go to southern, the southern states of America, Ohio, and then Canada and then back all over again to Mexico. So scientists have always wondered as to why these butterflies do these things. Why do they do it? So they try to do all, they spend lots of money trying to figure out, is it something in the wings, is something in the food, something in the water? And they couldn't figure out what it was. And they came to the phenomenal conclusion, are you ready for this? That it is the nature of the butterfly to do it. Even the scientists are, are dumbfounded as to why the butterflies do it. And so they've come to the conclusion that this must be the nature of the butterfly. This is what they do. In the same way, Christians, transformation is a progression. Are you ready for this? It's a progression of change 
which is in our nature. To be transformed is natural to us. To change is not a difficult process. When you get saved and God brings you into his kingdom, he starts working on you. And change is a very good thing. It's in our nature. The scientists have been studying Christians for thousands of years. And they wonder what is up with these guys. Why are these guys like this? What happens? I've seen John when he was 17 years old and now when he's almost 40. There seems to be a huge difference. How did he make this migration here? Scientifically, trying to study. What degree? What theology? What doctrine? Which school? All of that stuff. They're trying to do all these studies around you and me and they've come to the brilliant conclusion... It is enough to change. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, change is good. Change is good. So transformation. Now you must understand, these butterflies, God created them to do this. So which means the worship that the butterfly does to God or gives to God is to migrate, reproduce, migrate, and then fly all the way back, reproduce, migrate. This is their worship to God. Now, if you ask me, what is worship? What is our worship to God as, as people? It's not us singing songs. That is just the expression of our worship. If you ask me, transformation is our worship to God. Come on now. It is in our nature to worship God, but our worship is not uh, just being the same, same every day for the last 10 years. You show your worship to God by how you allow God to transform your life. Change is your worship to God. Being changed is your worship to God. How many of you can say that you have changed? So we have a worshiping church. We don't change at church. We receive the elements of transformation at church. When we go outside of church is where we really start changing. Because James chapter 1 says, Brother, let your faith be tested. Because that's when... James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy when your faith is tested, when you're suffering. When all of these things are happening. Count it all joy because when your faith is tested, patience, it grows in you. And when patience grows in you, it begins to perfect you. God is looking to present his perfect people to the world. His little butterflies that don't know anything else except change. So today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to present something to you that you might think you know. 
From a passage you are very familiar, especially if you're in this church since day one. I've preached out of this passage so many times that you might be sleeping and thinking about the word transformation. So I kind of changed the word a little bit, okay? I'm going to bring a bit of Greek in it. So the title of my message today is Metamorphosis. So if you are okay with that title, <laughs> let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Amen. Somebody celebrates the word more than a title, which is a good thing in this church. Romans chapter 12. We're going to read from verses 1 to 3. Get it? 1, 2, 3. Oh, man. (laughs) I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your that you may prove, little butterfly, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's just stop there for a moment, and then we'll get into verse 3 in a little bit. But here Paul is telling us that transformation, change in my life, comes only when I renew my mind with the word of God. And he's saying this is our reasonable service to God. It's not how you worship in church. It's not how loud you scream and you shout. It's how much you change. How much you change with the word of God in your life causes you now to shout. Your mind shouts louder than your voice. Oh, come on now. It's very intelligent, this section. I'm hoping that you would celebrate what I'm just about to say. We come into church and we shout and we think that that is worship to God. Yes, it is worship. It's, a, it's, it, it's an expression of your worship to God. If your mind was not renewed before coming into this room... Your shouting has no value. Yeah. I'm assuming that you understood exactly what I was just saying. So I don't have to repeat myself. Right? So when you are outside every day, you're living every day, God is looking for your worship because the Bible says he's looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and in So which means the truth of the word of God needs to be renewing your mind. Which means making my mind new. Every day. So that when I come into this room, I'm not coming here for my mind to be renewed. I'm coming here with a renewed mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your so if I want to stop sinning for those of you who are struggling with sin if you want to stop sinning stop thinking about it I'll repeat myself again 
If you want to stop sinning, not singing, sinning, stop thinking about it. For example, if you want to stop, I'm not saying this, these are sins, but people struggle with these habits. Like if you want to smoke, drink, pornography, all that kind of stuff. If you want to stop doing that and you feel like, oh, you know, Jesus, give me grace, give me power. Just stop thinking about it. Stop, stop, I'll, I'll encourage you to even stop praying about it. <laughs> Ooh. What are you saying, Pastor? This is heresy. No, it's not heresy. It's the truth. If I need my mind to be renewed, right? It's renewed by the word of God, not by the word of sin. Because sin, every time I think about sin, even if I want to stop sinning, and if I think about it, I'm reminded of it. And so now because my body is a slave of my mind, as my mind thinks, so does my body do. Are you with me? So, if your body is a slave of the mind, uh, a slave of the soul, in the soul is the mind. In the mind is a throne. It's called the throne, the, the throne of your heart. Okay? And on that throne is a seat. And you can allow a king to come and sit on that throne. And that king will determine what you do. So, which means, whatever your mind thinks, your body does. So renewal of the mind enables you to manifest whatever is in your mind. If you want to get fit, physically fit, don't get a gym membership. Wait till I finish my sentence. If you want to get fit, renew your mind. Be fit in the mind first before you go and get a gym membership. Because if you're not renewed in the mind about fitness, if you don't see yourself with that yeah. pack, <laughs> family pack, four pack, whatever it is that you want to have, doesn't matter. You will get, if you don't go and renew your mind about what foods to eat, when to eat them, you might, you might be so enthusiastic at the end of the year. You know, Christmas season is a season actually of suffering for pastors. You know, in a church of 400 people, we get 200 invitations for one week. Pastor, please come home. Pastor, please come home. Okay, we'll come home. It's Christmas season, so we have to go. So, so now, during Christmas season... The, the week from Christmas to New Year, it's like breakfast in one family's house, lunch in another family's house, tea in another family's house, dinner in another family's house. Sometimes between breakfast and lunch, we're having brunch. So you can understand the suffering that our body goes through during those days. And so now because of guilt, wait, there's a punchline coming. Because I've eaten so much, I feel so guilty because my body is beginning to manifest. <laughs> It's beginning to manifest what I've put in it. I go and get a gym membership. And when I get a gym membership, I go there first. I'm like, hmm, yeah, I do all the exercises. Fall flat for another one week. 
And then they tell me, brother, you need protein. So you need supplements, you need protein, you need uh, vitamins, and you need all of these things. Like, I mean, was my body depleted before I had that? Like, what's, what's happening? I didn't, I felt like I ate too much. I need to get rid of this stuff. And so now I, we go out and buy all these things, and there's now a pharmacy in the house. And we go to the gym, and the problem is now, first day, it's kind of like, okay, second day, it's kind of okay. And then the gym instructor starts making it, you know, persecuting you. You know what I mean? He starts persecuting you, making the, increasing the weights, make you run longer, eat less food. It's like, and this, you start suffering. If your mind is not made up, you will stop it. You will stop going to the gym. You will stop doing, you will, this thing of progress, this thing of change, you will stop doing it. See, the, the most important thing that we can do, the most important thing is a choice. But we, 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 begin to, we begin to choose. God gives us an option. Choose life or death. And he gives us an option. He says, you choose what you want to do. And most times, because we want a certain kind of look for our body, we think that the best way is to go to the gym. But if your mind is not renewed before you go to the gym, when it becomes difficult, the tendency for us is to give up. And most times, Christians in a church setting have given up on God. They've given up on this progress. They've given up on transformation. They're not, no man, you, you do it, you do it. You, you, Pastor, you are, you know, you're the man of God. God chose you, he didn't choose me. See, because every single person in this room, God's plan and purpose for your life is for you to manifest His glory. And the only way He will trust you with His glory is if Christ is sitting on the throne of your heart. In the throne of your mind. If you are sitting on the throne of your mind, if, you're, if your sinful thoughts are sitting on the throne of your mind, that's exactly what you're producing. And that's what Paul is saying in this, in this scripture. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the throne of your heart really belongs to Jesus. Because if Jesus is sitting on the throne of your heart, then guess what's going to happen to your body? By your silence, I guess you don't know what's going to happen to your body. I love it when people give me compliments. Like, man, you're 40. You don't look like it. You don't behave like it. Brother, in my mind. In my mind. I feel like I'm 21. No, no, no. Please, I know you're celebrating me, but... But the reason why I am the way I am is because in my mind, I still believe I am 21. I'm not, I'm not scared of old age. Please forgive, forgive me for those people who think that old age is, is something that, is, that I need to embrace. I don't want to embrace it because there's no uh, fruit of the spirit called old age in the Bible. In fact, everything that God says is that, that in your, as you grow older, your bones will become like strong like a young man's bones. So if he's promising you these things, why are we okay with aging? 
the reason why we're okay with aging is because our mind has been needs to needs to get renewed. Our minds have been have been allowed. We've allowed the wisdom of this world to kind of fill our minds by saying, "Brother, this is retirement now, and then you know we'll sit down with the birds and the bees, and I become a bee collector on my farm, and you know that's what I want to do for the rest of my life." And on the inside of you, there's this massive God. There's this humongous glory. There's a big glory that's waiting to be manifested through your life. When I was in New Zealand, I was like, wow, man, God, I just love to stay here. This is the place where I want to live, God. And he asked me, what are you going to do? I said, God, you know, first week, I'm going to come here. We're going to buy a piece of land, have some sheep, and self-sustain, put solar panels up on the roof, and we're going to, we're going to live off the land. And he goes, then what? And then we're going to live off the land. He goes, then what? Um, then we, I don't know. We just, I don't know. Kelsey and I might live happily ever after. And then he goes, then what? But we're happily ever after. And then what? Like God asked me questions like that. Then what? What are you going to do? Then he began to teach me, son, in you, I'm sitting in you waiting to get out. You're sitting looking at sheep. I'm looking at how many people are in desperate need for me to touch them. Come on now. We're thinking about retirement and we're thinking only about ourselves and God is sitting on the inside of us saying, if you can only understand that transformation comes to the renewing of your mind. I'm, there's, a, there's glory, the power of God is on the inside of you waiting for you now to begin to do something with it. See, I get corrected before the church gets corrected. So it's okay. Everything that I'm telling you, God already did it with me. That's why he qualifies me to speak. Do you understand? Sometimes I have to be a little more sweeter to you than God is to me. Because he, he, you must understand, God is truthful. He's not a nice guy. There's you have to show me in the Bible where his word says that he's nice. Because for a nice guy, for truth or a lie, he can bend. God doesn't bend. He's a good God. He's a truthful God. And everything that he says to you is for your good. So, so when God speaks the truth to me, I, just, I, I don't think about me. I just think about what he wants to do in me. And I allow him to do that. And there's a reason why transformation for some people is difficult. Change is for some people is difficult. They say, oh, you know, as you get older, John, you know, you'll understand what I'm going through. You know, when you get up from your chair, you have to say, oh, my God. Oh, it's so difficult getting up from this chair. It's so difficult walking. It's so difficult. No. The problem is you've allowed the lies of the yeah. enemy yeah. into your mind. And now it's manifesting through your body. But if you allow the word of God, the spirit of life to come and sit on the throne of your heart and your mind, now your body will begin to function. You will live as you're getting older, you'll begin to look younger. 
Why? It's because Jesus is ageless. His word is ageless. He's immortal. Come on now. So good. Jesus says something very interesting in the Gospels. He says the, the kingdom is at hand. That's how close the kingdom is. I didn't slap him. He gave me a high five. He said the kingdom of God is at hand. Which means you can stretch out your hand and touch it. You can take it. That's what he's trying to say. But all of us are looking to take the kingdom of God from Jesus. On the inside of every single person, there's a, there's a throne. I'll go back a little bit more so that you can understand where I'm going with this. And on that throne, if Jesus is sitting, then your body begins to produce what we call the fruit of the Spirit. How can the world come to a God they've never seen, they've never felt, they've never touched? Unless they come to you. Unless they come to you. And when you begin to, your mind gets renewed now and you begin to produce these fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, all of those things, the world comes to you and the kingdom of God is at hand for them. And they come close to you and, they, and it's so close that they can just pull out the fruit of love from you and begin to eat it. They can pull out the fruit of joy from you and begin to eat it. They pull out the fruit of long suffering and begin to eat it. They begin to pull out patience and they begin to eat it. He says the kingdom of God is at hand. The king's dominion is at hand. Which means if your mind is renewed, you're producing kingdom fruit. If you're producing kingdom fruit, that king's dominion, when they taste of the fruit, they come under your dominion. Come on, man. Do you understand? That's why he's saying the kingdom is at hand. But a lot of us, because our mind is not renewed by the word of God every single day, we're not producing fruit. And the world is coming to us and they're looking at us and they don't see any fruit on the tree. And so now they curse the tree and walk away. Ah, these church people, you know, these church people, man, they are one thing in church, they are another thing outside. What have they done? They've tasted of the fruit. They've come and seen that they have nothing to show for this. Why? The Bible says that all, every, he, Jesus is the desire of the nations. Jesus is the desire of the nations. Not you, not me. Jesus is the desire of the nations. And the reason why transformation is so important is because we are being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. We're not being transformed into the image and likeness of Amos or John or, or anybody in this room. We're being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. <coughs> the world is looking for Jesus. And if your mind does not get renewed by the word of God, what fruit are you producing? Just think about it. What fruit are you producing? Parents, what fruit are you producing? Your kids come close to you and they're scared of you. Oh, I I don't think I should go that side now. (laughs) Maybe I'll come here. 
Ooh. Well, think about the kids. In a family setting, the kids love their mom and dad. They feel safe with their mom and dad. They, they need to feel safe. They, 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 there comes a point in time where they would jump off a stage. Daddy, catch me. And they'll fly off a stage. But what happens later on? As they keep growing and your discipline keep, keeps getting harsher. Your rules and regulations keep getting harsher. Went silent on that side now. Yeah, just stay here. <laughs> the kids are coming to eat of the fruit of the Spirit of God in your life. And we're, and we're too oppressive, we're too controlling. We want them to do what we want them to do. Do what I tell you. Don't tell them. Punishment. Take off your phone. Throw you in the corner. Stand right over there. And kids, listen to me. Kids have a fresh revelation of who God is before they come into your life. And they come into your life, mom and dad, expecting you to be like their father in heaven. Kids are going, preacher, preacher. Kids, I'm telling you, whether you're young or you're a teenage or adult, whatever, just give it to your mom and dad. I think it'll help you. <laughs> it's so amazing that we create this system thinking that we need to do, get them to do what we want them to do. No. You as a father and as a mother, or a future father and as a, as a mother, you're meant to allow your kids to taste off the goodness of God in your life, the love of God in your life, the patience, the long-suffering, the kindness, gentleness. That's what they're meant to taste of. That's why when they don't taste of the fruit in your life, now they go outside looking for it. And then, then, then a guy in college, you know, gives them a little attention. It's like, oh, you look so cute. Hmm? Want to go on a date? Want to go on a date? Yeah, you go on a date? Come, let's go on a date. Have, have coffee. Starts off with coffee. Somebody once asked me, you want to go on a date? So I gave them a kajur. <laughs> <laughs> Who is sitting on the throne of your heart? Jesus. Because if Jesus is sitting on the throne of your heart, now people around you begin to experience pure love. Not a manipulative love. And when you come around people who are, who are trying to manipulate you for your body, you'll, you'll recognize it. Yeah. Romans chapter 12. Are you there? <laughs> Verse 3. For I say, through the grace. Now I need you to pay very close attention to this, okay? For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly. I want you to underline that word himself over there. Make a big circle around it if you have a Bible. If you have a phone, I don't know what you would do. <laughs> Highlight, bold, whatever, yeah. Right? To everyone who is among you, not to think highly more highly of himself than he ought to think. But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. 
I'm going to read that again. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Say the word soberly. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, you must understand what Paul is trying to say. He's coming off now from a verse which talks about renewing your mind. Why? Right? Transformation comes to renewing your mind with the word of God. Then he says, don't think too highly of yourself. I always thought, and I've heard preachers praying, that this scripture is about pride in your life. Because you're thinking of yourself too highly. No, it's not about that. What Paul is trying to say in this scripture right here, he's saying, don't make you, me, the focus of transformation. A lot of the time, we want to be transformed because we want a better life. We want to be a better person. And there are, there are people around the world, like we had a conference last week in, in, in this city, where people were trying to make you a better person. But God's not interested in making you a better person. Hello? People pay thousands of dirhams to go to a conference to hear to become a better person. But they don't sow into the kingdom. Where God is not trying to make you a better person, he's trying to make you into his son. Transformation is really not about you. Transformation, metamorphosis, is really not about you. He's not trying to make a better version of you. He's trying to make you into Christ. So he's saying, brother, sister, please don't think of yourself too highly. Which means, and then he goes on to say, but soberly, but think soberly, which means you can get drunk thinking about yourself. And if you get drunk thinking about yourself, it will cause you to make choices. I don't know if you're ready for a deep word, man, today. But think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, you must understand that if you were listening to the word for the last two, three weeks, I spoke about faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Who is the word? Jesus. Right? So if we understand that faith is a measure of God embedded in his word given to us, when we allow that word to get onto the throne of my mind, he begins to start the transformation process. Not you. You don't decide to start, I'm going to change. I'm going to change my life. You have no grace to change your life. Because you had no grace to save your life in the first place. Are you with me? And so now he starts the transformation process. And so Paul is encouraging us to not think about me, 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 me. But think about him in me. A lot of the times we focus on me. What are people doing to me? What is my life about to become? What am I going to do? What is my career? What, are, what am I going to do at work? What, how many kids am I going to have? How, who am I going to marry? Such massive decisions. Yeah. 
But if you were not to think about those things, those decisions don't become massive. But Paul is encouraging us to think more highly of the word on the throne of your heart. Let me tell you something. In Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul is saying to the the Philippians, he's saying, all I want is Christ. All I want to know is Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to tell you this. I I started meditating on this this scripture uh, on Sunday. Are you listening? I was meditating on just this verse. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Just go there, Philippians chapter 3. Quickly. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his. It's very interesting, okay? Paul is saying this. For the man who has all knowledge... The guy who's received all revelation, all his desire is, I want to know Christ and I want to know the power of his resurrection. He was so convinced about the power of resurrection that he chose to die. I want to die in order for me to experience the power of resurrection. How convinced are you about the word of God in your mind? Oh, come on now. When I started listening, when I started meditating, I started thinking, just like Paul said in Romans chapter 12, the way he said, think about him in you. When I started meditating on this verse, I just want to know Christ. Jesus, I just want to know you more. Jesus, I want to know you more and the power of resurrection. I want to know you more. I just kept on thinking. I wasn't talking. I wasn't praying out aloud. In my mind, I started just meditating on this. Jesus, I want to know you. Every day, the whole day. Just Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, and the power of your resurrection. Wow, the resurrection power of Jesus. Wow, I want to know. I want to know you, Jesus. The whole day, I'm just thinking like that. I'm just thinking like that. And then in my sleep, please listen to me very carefully. When you start meditating on the word of God like this, I'm not looking for revelation. I'm not like, whoa, the skies open up. I'm just, I'm just meditating on the word of God. When I'm meditating on the word of God, there's this sort of a dome. It's like a dome around my mind. It, it's, like a, it's like this, you know, that the word of God in my mind was surrounded by a, a, like a defense mechanism around my mind. When I saw this picture, when, when Joanna made this phenomenal graphic and she sent it to me, I said, this is the one. Because to me, the word of God was in my mind and the word of God started creating a defense mechanism around my mind. And I tell you, when I, when I started thinking about the word and in my sleep, ladies and gentlemen, in my sleep, just when I wake up, you know how when you wake up, you have these thoughts that rush through your mind? 
in my when I'm getting up and I can hear, oh, you know, you know, you have to deal with this and you have to do that, and that person said this about you and this, 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 all these negative vibes and these thoughts were coming at me. It wasn't me chasing those thoughts away. It was Christ in me that was saying to me, shift your focus onto Christ. Today I want to know Christ. I could hear my mind talking to me. You want to get away from sin? Stop thinking about sin. Start thinking about Christ. You want to become more Christ-like? Think more about Christ in you. You need a breakthrough in your life? Don't think about the breakthrough. Think about Christ in you. Then Christ in you brings the breakthrough for your life. Do you understand? When, when I started meditating on this, just this simple verse, I just want to know Christ. I'm not looking for anything else, Lord. I just want to know you more. Now, Christ started defending my mind. Do you understand? It's phenomenal when you wake up in the morning with such a pure mind that there's no negativity in your mind. The word, as you, as you fill your mind with the word, it begins to transform your body. And I, I want to tell you something, you know, I, I gave a prophetic word last year, uh, last week, that this week was a, was a week, of, was an week of upgrade. Things that in, in, in our business that should have taken three to six months happened in one day. Impossible situations. Impossible situations. Government versus government issues. Things that need government, governments need to handle was handled in a day. They told us maybe three months, maybe six months it'll happen depending on when the consulate meets and all that kind of stuff. And we were like, okay, we just walked away and God said, I have favored you. It's an upgrade. It happened so fast. You know why? Because we chose to believe and meditate. Think about the word. Not think about how big the problem is, but think about the... Think about the... Think about the... Think about the word. So I want you to go now to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Are you in 2 Corinthians? So, let's read from verse 12. Verse 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, circle hope on your Bible there, <clears throat> because that word means, also means faith. Therefore, since we have such faith or hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away. In? Where? The veil is taken away in? Verse 15, but even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil lies on their heart. Now look at me now. Now the context of what is happening here is, is there's a veil. Say veil. veil. Not whale, veil, veil. That whale is a fish. Veil, veil. Veil. 
veil. There's a veil. Okay? It's about the veil. That veil is self. That self is the law of Moses. Okay? Are you, are you okay with the word? Uh, okay. I'm setting you up for next week. So, the context now is that there is something on the inside of you. Can somebody tell me what it is? There is? Glory. Glory. <laughs> what is on the inside of you? Every single person that is sitting here in this room carries the glory of God on the inside of them. Okay? But you also carry a veil called self. And even though all of us are saved, we're, we are we're saved by the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of the, on the cross, we're in the kingdom of God, but all of us carry a veil. That's why Paul is saying in Romans, don't look at yourself. If you meditate, if you think about yourself and how much you're suffering and what are all your problems and how much people are doing bad things to you, then you are going to remain in that place and you're not going to produce glory. So in every person is the glory of God. Don't listen to a preacher that says, oh, let us worship and the glory will come. Listen to this preacher that says, let us worship and release the glory into the room. Some of you are not getting it. Still, there is glory on the inside of you. How do I know that? The glory which was in a tent is now in a tabernacle. And it's in you. You are the tent. You are the tabernacle of God. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The glory which was outside is now on the inside of you. Right? And so now, the context of this passage is really about a veil. It's about a veil that, that Moses put on his face in the Old Testament. You must understand that Moses used to go to meet God. And when he used to meet God, he was in a tent. God was in a tent in the wilderness. And every time Moses would go to meet God, the glory of God would be so amazing that Moses' face would shine like the sun. It would shine like the sun. Have you looked at each other? Anybody shining today? If we were to switch these lights off, other than your teeth, what would... <laughs> Would people be able to see the glory of God on your life? Come on now. We're talking. We're, 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 the reason why we can't see the glory manifested is because our minds are not renewed. The reason why people can't see the glory of God is because you think more about you. Then you think about him. Yeah. I asked the life group in Abu Dhabi a question. <laughs> How much time do you spend thinking about Jesus in a day? It was a phenomenal question. And everybody in the room said, we all think about Jesus. Let's, then I said, okay, 
Let's talk percentage-wise. How much time? You sleep for eight hours? Great, nice. Other than those eight hours, how much time do you spend thinking about Jesus? Meditating on him. I said, truthfully, how much time do you spend thinking about you, your work, your kids, your money, church, ministry, serving, all of these things? How much time do you really spend thinking about just him? And truthfully, people said, 5% God, 95% me. If I would ask you that question today, I mean, our life group was brutally honest. If I would ask you today, how much time do you spend thinking about Jesus? Without an agenda, without a prayer list, without anything you need from him, just to think about Jesus. How much time do you spend? Because the more time you spend thinking about him, the more glory gets manifested through your life. If, you, if it's just 5% in a day, then guess what's going to happen? 5% glory. Because God is not going to force himself out of you. You are the gate to the glory. You are the door to the glory. Jesus says you are the light in the darkness. Right? How much of the light are you? Think about it. How much light are you producing out of your life if you're not thinking about the source of the light? Come on now. And so here Paul is talking in this place and he's saying Moses used to meet with God and his face used to shine like the sun. So people who are not used to talking about God and thinking about God, having encounters with God, would tell Moses, Moses, please cover your face. It's too much. This glory is too much. And so Moses would put a veil over his face. But the longer Moses stayed away from the presence of God, the glory on his face would come down. And this is why church becomes an addiction. We come and we want to experience the glory of God. Brother, you're living with the veil if that is your revelation. It's self. If you're not experiencing the face of God every single day, people in your office should say, man, there's so much of light coming out of you. Just cover your face. I can't see it. I'm a sinner. I can't see this glory that is on your face. How many people come to you and ask you these kind of questions when you're walking around and, and, and miracle signs and wonders are following you? The reason why it's not happening is because we're not thinking. We're not meditating on Jesus, on his word. We're meditating on how do we need to make the, the next deal happen? How do we make the next, how do we bring up my kids? How do we do this? How do we pay the school fees? We spend the time thinking about everything else except him. And here God is saying, if you can think about me, if you can spend time thinking about me, I will transform, I will renew your mind and I will transform your body to a point where now every breakthrough that you need, everything that is fallen will begin to come to you because it needs you. And Moses would, would have this veil over his face and, and it, it was only when he would go into God's presence he would remove the veil and he would look at God. Look at God. 
looking. You can look with the eyes of your heart. That's why I sang the song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. I want to see you, not on the outside, I want to see you sitting on the throne of my heart. I want to see you sitting on the throne of my life. I want to see you sitting in that place, the rightful place. Not me, not the devil, not lies, not temptation. I just want to see Jesus sitting on that throne of my heart. And so Moses now, he became so fearful of people that when, when he knew that the glory started fading away, Please listen to me very carefully now. This is why people are addicted to men of God. They run after men of God. It's because they just just, touch, just one prayer, just touch, touch, just one touch. (laughs) I just just want to touch the hem of his garment. Just touch, touch, touch. That's a glory, glory. Wow. Man, if you can just think about the same Jesus, the same glory that is on a man of God will flow through your life. You don't have to run after people. And church becomes such a beautiful thing because people are not coming in need, they're coming to give. Because there's so much of glory on the inside, I can't contain it, I've got to share it, I've got to give it to people. Why don't we come to church with that in mind? I just need a breakthrough, today Pastor John's going to get a prophetic word and then that's it. But then he comes to, you come to church, no prophetic word, no prayer, no prayer at all. Like don't, don't, don't come to me. Because in this culture, we, we, enough of word is released for your breakthrough. I don't even need to lay hands on you. I spoke and finished. You received your miracle. But you will walk away from this room offended because he did not pray for me. He doesn't love me. I don't want to come to this church. The problem is you've come to the church to search for something that was already on the inside of you. You must understand that That veil is self, the law. That veil before people was the law. And every time Moses, the people would look at Moses. That's why Paul says every time they read Moses, they still have a veil over their heart. And it's like you're reading the word of God with problems in mind. I'm reading the word of God because I have some sin issues that I need to within my life. I need to get away from the sin. I, I, I need to go to the word of God and I need God to fix me. God's not interested in fixing you, man. Because it's like, it's like a, a tack on a tire. But he's trying to transform you. He wants to give you a new body. He wants to give you a new body. A body that does not fall sick. A body that does not food. A body that, uh, that does not fade away. He wants to give you his body. You can be called the body of Christ, but look it. We are called the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, but we don't look the part. Because all of us are so focused on us. Me, 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 me. So we're a bunch of individuals that don't look like Christ. We're so afraid of people coming close to us. Don't come to my house. Why? Because the house is dirty. I didn't clean the, I didn't clean the house. No, 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 no. Stay, stay, stay where you are. I'll, I'll come to you. I'll come to your house. And the problem is you've not spent, you've not allowed Christ to clean you up. Clean your mind. 
clean your house. When he gets in, you don't have to fix your problems, ladies and gentlemen. You don't, I, would, I just want to set you free. Can I set you free? Can I make you a little happy, happier than what you are right now? Can I tell you something really awesome that, will, that you can be joyful, you can jump, skip, dance around, do whatever? You don't need to fix your problems. You don't even have to focus, meditate. I need to get stronger against this sin. I need to get strong. I'm going to get strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. And then you become Armstrong. And, <laughs> and then suddenly, when there's persecution, your cycle tyone goes off. Uh, you go flat. You must understand that these guys in the Old Testament did not want the glory of God. They didn't want to see it. Moses was hungry for it. But because people, people, didn't want to see the glory of God, Moses put a veil. But you must understand that Jesus had not paid the price yet. Because every time the veil, when you see self, it causes you to sin. Every time in your mind you keep looking at yourself, you feel sorry for yourself, you feel bitterness, hurt, anger, anxiety, all of that causes you to depend on you. And when you stop thinking about yourself, if you think about yourself all the time, now you're living under the law which has a consequence. You please think about this. Adam sinned. Adam fell and the Bible says that sin entered the world and through sin, death, which means corruption. People sometimes will look at an apple tree and they come close to the apple tree and they look at the fruit and they pluck the fruit when they bite it. It's corrupted on the inside. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's spoiled on the inside. It has worms on the inside. See, thoughts in your mind are like that. The enemy comes and lays these eggs, these larvae in your mind. And when it, when it lays this and you entertain and you meditate on it, those larvae begin to reproduce and begin to eat your mind from inside out to where a point now you only reproduce what the enemy thinks. And so now you come to church and then everybody knows you're a Christian at work. And so they come close to you and they see this little apple on the tree. <laughs> and they think it's good. Wow, there's love. Wow. Think about what I'm saying now. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. We know we are Christians by our love. On Sunday, love is awesome. And then Monday, sales report needs to go in. And then the boss now starts persecuting you. And now there's no love. Because there's pressure. Pressure. I have pressure at work. I cannot come today to church because I have pressure. No life group. Because I have to work late. Please, I know that's you and me. We've done this. And so now, now your colleague or your, your daughter, your son, your wife, husband comes close to you and they see the fruit. Oh, there's love on Sunday. That means there's love on today also because it's the fruit of the Spirit. And they come to you and they pluck the fruit only to bite and taste it and walk away from you going, ooh, that's not Christ. That's love only when they want to be loved. But actually, they, they, this, this church stuff is not good, man. Because they're not genuine people. 
the reason why they're not genuine people is because their mind is filled, it's corrupted with self. And so here in 2 Corinthians, Paul is saying this in verse 15, that even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Verse 16, look at verse 16, it's so beautiful. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Come on now. Come on now. The veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit, where, 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 where the spirit where the spirit of the Lord where the spirit of the Lord is where is the spirit of the Lord in you come on man come on now where is the spirit of the Lord where in my mind the spirit of the Lord is in my mind how did he get there how did he get into your mind is when you heard the word Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And so Paul is telling us, he's encouraging us. Stop looking at self. Start looking at him. The word in your mind. A lot of the times Christians talk about self, 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 self all the time. I would love to have conversations with Christians about Christ. Christ because that's what's in your mind what's in your mind will be at the tip of your tongue what's in your mind will be at the tip of your tongue some of us some people, Christians have secret sins whether sexual, whatever it is and we, we, we want that because our mind is so filled with that because it's the only way we receive love But what if I told you that you could feel, you could experience perfect love when your mind, when you start thinking about perfect love in your mind. That perfect love that comes from God and not from anybody else. And here Paul is telling us, please listen to me very carefully now. People have preached the transfiguration story in the Bible and have missed a very important part. Transfiguration is the word transformation. And when Jesus went with his disciples, these three favorite disciples up the mountain, they went to pray. They went to? Praying is talking to God about what's on your mind. If you're on your mind, you're talking to yourself. But if Christ is on your mind, Christ is now the gate through which God hears your voice. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You cannot go to the Father except through me. How can you have access to heaven without Christ? Oh, how does God know my problems and how do I petition my problems? He knows your need even before you talk about them. He knows all your need. Even before you talk about why, because your mind is talking about it to him. They're having a separate conversation without your permission. But you must understand that Jesus had not paid the price for humanity yet. 
And so that's why the glory of God on Moses' face would diminish. The body, physical, your physical body could not handle the glory of God because of sin in it. But when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus paid for your sin, sin was eliminated completely from your mind, from your body, and from your spirit. He completely eliminated it. So now, if you think about sin, if you think about self, if you have unbelief in your mind, it's called sin. Unbelief in God is sin. (laughs) He paid the price so that you could have direct access to the Father. But also, the Father could have direct access to the world. There's a purpose to transformation, ladies and gentlemen. There's a purpose to you being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. I love it when young people come to our church and they come in, they get shocked as to what it is. And then six months down the line, people who know them get shocked. Because they look at them and they're like, "Uh, you're not Daniel. (laughs) You're not the Daniel I know. You're not the Jonathan I know. You're not the Sam I know. The kingdom of God depends on the transformed individuals. The kingdom of God flows through the ones who are being transformed. Why? It's because God can trust his son in you. If you can now stop thinking about yourself, what I need, me, 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 how unfortunate my life is, how mistreated I've been, just move that all aside. Give it to Jesus. Lay it down at the cross. Don't pick it up ever again. And allow the the resurrected Jesus to begin to fill your mind with himself. As he begins to fill your mind with himself, now you can go from a place of being a victim to being victorious. Victorious. Why? Because a resurrected Jesus has access to your mind. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you think you are loved by God, then you will experience love. And then you will be a source of love to all mankind. There's a purpose to the transformation. There's a purpose to this church being called a a ministry of transformation. When Jesus went up with his disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration, heaven came into the room. Heaven came upon the mountaintop. Come on now. I'm hoping that you would get this. Heaven descended. Moses and Elijah came and spoke to Jesus. And Jesus' face was shining like the... And the disciples, Jesus, will make a tent. And there was no response to them. Because God looked at that statement as being so insignificant in this very moment for what he was about to do and he says this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and he says listen to him oh come on he says listen to him what is he trying to say fill your mind with what Jesus is saying because the same resurrection power that was in Jesus that raised him from the dead now begins to live in you you must understand in that very moment when the disciples were looking at Jesus his face was shining like the sun and then all the cloud and everybody disappeared and Jesus became normal again this part nobody preaches it's because Jesus was still under the law of Moses the price hadn't been paid yet 
and people come into church experiencing a good word, glory of God, miracle signs and wonders, walk out of here and the glory fades away. But Paul says that there is a glory. There is a glory. The glory of the new covenant. The glory of resurrection power that will never fade away. Ladies and gentlemen, if, if your eyes, if your mind is only on self, then you have a veil on the glory. If you're thinking about yourself all the time, oh, oh poor me, poor me. Oh, I am the victim in this story. Poor me, poor me. What if you were to remove that veil and behold him? Because he paid a price for you. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. It is an insult to bring your sin, your drama into the presence of God when he's already paid a price for it. You're humiliating what Christ did on the cross by talking about you, you, you in the presence of the King of Kings. In the presence of the King of Kings, you need to be talking about Him. You need to be exalting Him. You need to be lifting Him up. You need to allow Him to fill your mind with more of Jesus and less of you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you can increase the percentage of the thoughts in your mind about yourself versus Jesus, you will start manifesting the glory of God in your life. We don't need Pastor John to come and pray for you anymore. Let me tell you something. There was a lady in our, in our life, a person, family in our life group who's, did you share this? There was a, there was a lady, because I went out to the bathroom, so I don't know. There was a lady, there was a guy uh, whose mom had a heart attack or a stroke. What was it? There was an issue with the heart and she collapsed and she's taken into the ICU. And they, they said, please, can we pray? I said, yeah, this is how we pray now. I've changed the way we pray. I said, there will be, when they do an x-ray, they will see no blockages in the heart. There will be no blockages in the brain. In fact, all the lungs, everything that, 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 that they, when they do an x-ray, they will see that's completely clean and she will come out of the hospital. L ladies and gentlemen, within a day, within a day of collapsing, within one day, she walked out of the hospital. How, how can you produce glory like that? It's not my confidence. It, my confidence is not in what I have to say. My confidence is who is in me that is speaking to me right now. You may have problems in your life. You may have debt. You may have so many circumstances and situations. But Jesus is looking for you to say what he says. But if you're not listening to what he says, what are you saying? What is the word that is coming out of your mouth? Listen, I'm not saying we need to become a boring church and we need to only become, you know, no fun. Please, I'm 21. I have fun all the time. I love to laugh at everything. We joke around. We play around. We do everything. We're a pretty relaxed group of people because we're not bound by the law. We're not performing for people to be impressed by us. You understand? We're not, we're not trying to impress people. We're trying to do what God has called us to do. What he's called us to do is in the mind. It's in our heart. He sits on the throne of my, our heart. Tomorrow, if John and Kelsey are not here, this move of God will continue to move and get stronger only because this church is about Jesus Christ. It's really not about John and Kelsey. A majority of the testimonies that come into our church is really not John and Kelsey. It's you doing it. 
But you're doing it because these signs will follow those who believe. Why did you believe? Because you received the word into your mind. And when you receive the word into your mind, now he begins to change you from the inside out. To where you're now walking on the street and you see somebody in a wheelchair and you just give them a word and you lay hands on them and you say, come out of that wheelchair. And they come out of the wheelchair. What is your confidence in? See, our church is about transformation. We're focused on transformation. We're not focused on doctrines and theologies and dogmas and, and degrees and all that kind of stuff. Which denomination? We're not interested in that kind of stuff because what God has called us to do is present Jesus. What really brings us all together is not a meeting. It's not a name called Life Church Global. What brings us all together is Jesus. Every person in this room is about Jesus. That's why we're not running to one another to fix my problem because Jesus is fixing the problem in you. It's permanent change. Please listen to me. When God begins to change you, He begins to transform you. It's a permanent change. You can tell me, brother, I had good six months. Six months, I was really good. I stayed away from it. But six months later, I fell. Six months later, you fell. There's no condemnation. But you did good for six months. It's better than one week. See, you don't think like that. You beat yourself up because you, sin causes you to focus only about you. And the more you focus on yourself, the more you end up sinning. But Jesus, Jesus, he's so awesome that he says, man, I gave you the strength to stay away from that sin for six months. You fell, that's not a problem. I can give you strength for another. I can give you grace for another year. I can give you grace for two years. I can give you grace for three years. In fact, I can give you grace for all eternity to stay away from sin. How amazing is Jesus? How awesome is Jesus? It's a permanent transformation. It's a perpetual transformation. We're changed from glory to glory. I want to bring attention to to verse 16 and 17 and 18 again. It says, Nevertheless, When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. How free are you? How free are you? Really in your mind, how free are you? Because you you can be in chains in your mind and look like you're free on the outside. Freedom looks like this, even though you have all the money in the world. Money does not have you. Money does not tell you how to spend it. You tell, you tell money how you want to spend it. You can go into a buffet and the food will tell you eat, 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 eat. But you can walk into a buffet and say, you have no control over me. I decide what I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat vegetables. For that meal, not for the rest of my life. It's a permanent change. And it's a progressive change. You keep progressing from glory to glory to glory. Who Fallon was six months ago? Brother, she's not like that anymore. 
There's glory coming out of There's more Christ in Fallon today than there was Fallon one year ago, six months ago. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Do you understand? It's every single person that is sitting in this room is a changed person. That's the, that's the reward that, that I receive when I go back home and I go to sleep and I slide on my bed and I, I listen to the stories of transformation. I'll be like, God, those are the crowns on my head. Those are the crowns on my head. Not how many people invite me to speak in their church. Even though we, we leave those aside and we're focused on what God has called us to do right now in this season is to bring transformation. Every coach, every head in this room is focused on this one thing. How can we create a culture, an atmosphere that brings you into a place of change 24 hours a day, 7 days a week? That challenges you to change. That does not take for granted but constantly brings change into your life. Verse 18. But we all, say we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. Must understand what he's saying here in this moment. It's very important for you before we go home. Who are you beholding in your mind? Who are you looking at in your mind? He's saying, beholding as in a mirror. That mirror is not outside of you, it's in your mind. When you receive, are you listening? When you receive a fresh revelation of Jesus personal revelation of Jesus into your heart, into your mind you need to think about it that's what Paul is saying he said don't think about yourself think about him, why? because it's fresh word fresh personal revelation I'm not listening to a message because it's just the time for me to listen to a guy talk and shout and scream and laugh, it's not about that right now in this moment I need to receive a fresh word from God. A fresh word. It's not time for me to go. It's time for me to receive a fresh word of God. When I receive a fresh word of God, now God, Jesus comes and dwells in me. And my mind, you must understand, your mind is like this. On the inside of your mind are mirrors all around it. It's mirrors all on the inside of your mind, all around you. And whatever word comes into your mind, it begins to reflect on every mirror on the inside of you. Everywhere you turn, you'll have Jesus. Everywhere, when you go to the office, on your mind will be Jesus. There'll be problems all around you, brother. All around you, sister. But on the inside of you, everything that's reflecting on the inside of you, like a mirror, is the Word of God. It's Jesus. If you place Him on the throne of your mind, this is what He's saying. You are being transformed into the very image you behold. If you behold Jesus, if you behold the love of God in your mind, and you keep looking at it, I just want to know Jesus and His resurrection power. I just want to know Jesus. 
in his resurrection power. I want to know Jesus more. I want to know Jesus more. I want to know Jesus more. In your mind, if you keep thinking about it, now what begins to happen is Jesus begins to take over your mind. When he takes over your mind, your body is a natural slave of the soul. You walk into the office and you see somebody in need. Jesus begins to respond. It's not you that responds. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith of the Son of God. You need to, you need to meditate on this. It's no longer I who live. <laughs> it's no longer I who live. It's no longer I. It's no longer me, 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 me. But it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith. What is faith? It's the word of God. I've received a measure of faith, a measure of Christ into my mind. As it's in my mind, begins to now take over my body. And when people look at you now, six months down the line, when they come around you and you open your mouth and talk to them, they're not like, oh, Ken, I know Ken from that years, man. He's still the same. If people are saying that, then your mind is still not yet renewed. But if they walk around and they see Ken today, and they look at him and there's this Christ that is emanating out. There's love that's just emanating out of him. Look at Ken, they were like, there's such a huge difference. What happened? Ken's testimony is a ministry of transformation. It's no longer Ken that lives, but Christ who lives in him. And the life that he lives today is by faith in the Son of God, the faith of the Son of God. If you can testify that Christ lives in you, if you can testify, if you can speak that Christ lives in you, miracle signs and wonders will follow those who believe. You can talk about it to your colleagues, you can talk about it to your classmates, you can talk about Jesus in your mind. Why? Because Jesus is on your mind. Your mind is full of Jesus all the time. But pastor, I've become boring as a person. Trust me, you become the most interesting person in the university. You become the most interesting person at work. You become the most people will be attracted to you because of the anointing that is on your life because you chose to put Christ first. It's okay. That's okay. (laughs) This is what our ministry, this is what God has called us to do as a church. And this is what we will do till God changes our revelation. (laughs) It's a difficult process to die to self. But it's easy to live for Christ. It's not difficult to live for Christ. It's actually easy to live for Christ. Because to live for Christ, God gives you the grace to do all things. But to live for yourself, to die to yourself, is where you really need the grace of God. Because people love themselves more than they love Christ. People love the sound of their voice more and their opinions more than what Christ has to say about their life. Jesus talks to his disciples and he says, who do you say I am? 
Peter jumps up and he says, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. Revelation. Personal revelation that came into Peter that caused Peter, caused Simon to be transformed into Peter. You must understand that Peter, it is on Peter that the Catholic Church finds its roots in. It's a move of God that finds its from one person that decided to believe the revelation that they received. So upon this rock, revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If the gates of hell are prevailing against you, it's because you have made yourself sit on the throne of your heart. But if you can allow him to sit on the throne of your heart, personal, you need personal revelation. You don't need just John, Pastor John on SoundCloud preaching at you. You need to go to the word yourself. You need to fill your mind with what Jesus is saying about you to you. Personal revelation from God. Personal revelation. It is only when you receive personal revelation that Jesus says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. A keys of the kingdom is given only to the ones who are transformed. The ones who receive the word and who put Jesus on the throne of their mind. Personal revelation. <coughs> but the beauty about, that revel- about the keys is this. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Jesus tells Nicodemus, he says, no one has gone up to heaven except the son of man who's come down from heaven. It's a beautiful statement because none of the saints were in heaven at that time. They were in paradise. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, Only the son of man who was in heaven has brought heaven down. And the kingdom, he's brought the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Please listen to me very carefully. God will trust heaven to a transformed individual. We can sing, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. But if the kingdom of God, if Jesus is not sitting on the throne of your mind, Jesus is the only one who could bring heaven to earth. He's the only one that has the authority to bring heaven to earth. If you want your job to change, you need heaven to come and change your job. If you want this city to change and make it like heaven, then you need Jesus to be sitting on the throne of your mind. Do you understand? It's vitally important for us to come into this place when we put Jesus on the throne of our hearts. Heaven begins to respond to what earth is saying. <laughs> let's stand, let's stand, let's stand, let's stand. You did good. <laughs> you did good. 